when dealing with a very difficult child, it's a very, very, it's a very, very painful experience. There's no doubt about it. It's very sad, and it's one of the hardest things for parents. And um, we find in the Torah, though, how Hashem dealt with difficult children, so to speak. And you don't have to go very far. We know that we have to be like Hashem. We have to emulate Hashem. That's our job. And we have to learn from the ways of Hashem. If you just go to the very beginning, first person ever created, Adam, the first day that he was created, he eats from the Eitz And we learn a lot from this. We learn a tremendous amount from this Chet. This Chet brought... The entire world since then has been completely different than what it was set out to be. Death was introduced. Work, labor. Every, every, every problem that we have in our lives is because of this sin. It was a tremendous sin and Hashem threw him out of home. He threw him out. But then afterwards, there's a very, very interesting pasuk. It says, Vayas Hashem lehem kosnas ar Hashem made for them leather garments and He dressed them. The Rebbeinu Bachir says that this whole Pasig is extra. Why would Hashem have made for them clothing? They made for themselves. They realized that they were naked. That was part of the, the thing that happened when they ate, they ate, ate from the Eitz Adas. And they tried to make, the Pasig says, they tried to make these little leaf clothing. You know, that's where all the pictures that the world has, you know, the, the, with the leaves. They tried to make fig leaf clothing. And, it, it, you know, it ripped very easily. It wasn't very comfortable. But, hey, you're on your own, kid. I told you not to eat. Now, because they rebelled against Hashem, Mamashik directly against Hashem, and they caused such a terrible thing, there's no greater sin that any child or any person could ever do, and they get thrown out. There really was consequence. So why is he making for them clothing? And why Vayal Bishem? You can imagine, like, standing behind him, stick your hand in this side, like the tailor, you know, when you're trying on a new suit, Vayal Bishem. And it says in Chazal, and you can look it up, it says that these were... These, this was clothing, levushim, nechbadim, meulim. These were very good leather, full leather gear to be able to protect them, to be mechubadik, honoring them. Why in the world would Hashem give them honorable clothing? If anything, Hashem should say, listen, you want leather clothing? There's a cow, go kill it, make yourself leather clothing. I gotta make it for you. And I gotta, I gotta go ahead and, 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 and dress you in it, make sure that it's comfortable and everything. The reason that Hashem did this is for one purpose, to prove to them beyond the shadow of a doubt that He still loved them. Because if not for doing this, then Hashem he threw us out. Adam and Chava would have gone for the rest of their lives and instilled into their children, into the generations following that, listen, we once had a God, but we messed up, and we were banished from Him, and that's it, it's over. He hates our guts, and there's nothing we can do to be close to Him. And there's so much animosity, so much resentment, so, many, so much confusion that is there, that could be there, after Hashem punished them, like after a father punishes a child. And here Hashem goes ahead and He says, you have a need. You're going to have this need whether I give it to you or not. You have a need. It came from your rebelliousness. It came from your not listening. It's true. But Lamaisa, right now the fact is you have a need. I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to be the one to fulfill that need for you. And I'm going to make it nicely, not just cheap, honorable, good clothing. So that way you should never think that I don't love you just because I threw you out of home. Never when parents have to deal with children. The job of the parents are 
that even if there is consequence, let's say that whatever the situation is, there is consequence, and especially when there is consequence, which allows the child to get confused and to think, my parents hate me, my parents don't love me, I let them down, and they have a lot of hatred and resentment, you as the parent have to emulate Hashem. It's very difficult. You tell your son, don't hang out with those kids. You're a good yeshiva boy and they're bad for you and he doesn't listen to you and he sneaks out and he hangs around with them and hangs around and hangs around gets thrown out of yeshiva and now he's on the street or now he's hanging around with and, 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 and you see that he has a need. You tell him, let's go to the store. I want to buy you a leather jacket and I want to try it on. Make sure it's a comfortable one. It'll keep you warm on your new motorcycle. It's, it's a tremendous lesson. Of course, it's, almost, it's impossible but the fact is that our goal has to be that goal to prove to them beyond a shadow of a doubt that we love them like crazy, regardless of what they did, regardless of the consequences. But love, oh yeah, crazy about you, because eventually that's what's going to bring the guy back home. The gas in their vehicle of hate is the fact that they think that you hate them. That's what fuels them. The, the, the fact that there's such an... Inside their kishkis, there's like a knife inside. And it pains them so much that they think that they let you down and that you hate them and that you, you can't stand them and that you don't have faith in them. That is the gas that fuels their car to rebel. Hate and lack of love from parents. And as much as, 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 as people could try to mentor and help, until that is rectified... That is a very, very difficult thing for a child. Now, one of the things that parents get really upset about is when their children are not doing mitzvahs or they're doing terrible affairs. And I heard from somebody, a good friend of mine that had a child that went off the derech, and he called, I don't want to say names, I'll say it in, in person, but he called somebody very chashuv in Eretz Yisrael, who's Oizkahalten, everybody holds of, and he told him, you know, I know my son is Michal Shabbos, but for some reason what really kills me, that he doesn't even put on tefillin. It only takes two minutes. And he hears the word potter. And he's, what? You don't understand what I'm saying. He doesn't put on tefillin. Every, it takes only a minute. Potter. He told me, my friend told me that at that point, he realized that it's not Stam, my son is bad, he's schlecht, he's rebelling, he's going to burn. If he's potter from tefillin, he's a chayli nefesh. He's in some way, he's sick. And therefore he's taka potter. And I'm not saying that every kid is potter. I'm saying that at least let's understand that it's very possible. A child that pops out of the system has suffered some kind of a trauma. I don't know what the statistics are. I've never met a kid that decided, you know what, I like cheeseburgers. Because the, the thrill of being in a normal family, the, the geschmack of being a normal Yiddish kid in a normal environment is so much more than the little taiva. I give an example of a train. The train is going down the train tracks, and if it gets a bump or something, it'll rattle. It'll jump off a little bit, but it'll, it'll end up back on, on the tracks. But if it suffers a tremendous blow, a real trauma, that train is going to jump off the track and go hurling in a different direction. No kid ever chooses to be bad. No person in the world would ever choose to be bad. Certainly not a Yiddish kid. Why would, kid, why would a kid, you look at a kid on the street, they're so sad and they're cold and they're lonely and it's a path of misery. Why would a kid go ahead and choose that path? You know why? Most likely, he suffered a trauma. And many, many times, parents don't know until much later what it was. I know of a case where a father had a son who was 
eight and a half years old. The son started to misbehave. He was a difficult child. He started to really misbehave in class. The father punished him severely. The kid misbehaved more. The father beat him, slapped him, punched him, whatever it was. Not, not you know, like a father, I guess, but, but not, 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 not viciously. But he, he hit him. And the kid started worse and worse and worse. And the father hit him more and more and more. Their relationship deteriorated. When the child was 13, he ran away from home. He lived on the street for four years, from 13 to 17, on trains, park benches, in an empty truck somewhere he found. And then they found that years, years later, there was tremendous trauma that the child went through. And they had no way of knowing. So you don't know what kind of trauma that your child is going through, or that any child is going through, but it's something big. And the worst thing that we can do is, is pull away the love and to give them that hate to, to fuel their rebellion. There's nothing worse that a kid has ever, every kid who ever did the worst thing that they ever did in their life, it was after they went fuming away from a fight with their parents. So we cannot have any chilek in their rebellion. We can't have any chilek in their avera. There was a, a father that called me, parents that called me that they wanted their son, they, they, they wanted to throw him out because they couldn't tolerate watching him do so many averas. And I said, so... Very nice. He's not, you don't have to watch him doing Averis, but you're going to know that he's doing even more Averis because instead of being at home, he's going to be on the street and who knows what. So can you live with yourself? So, of course, these are, are very bad choices. You know, nobody's looking for these kind of a choice. You know, but the fact is that they understood that they don't want to be a part of the son doing more Averis. They don't want to be a part of the son rebelling. So much of the pain that, that makes the kids rebel come from parents. Parents could even be right sometimes, but it's not worth it if it makes the kid worse. Teenagers are like terrible twos. The kid is going through a growth period of frustration, and, and we need to understand that. You don't take a two-year-old personally and get all huffy-puffy just because he's in a bad mood and he's throwing a tantrum. And you don't take necessarily the two-year-old to therapy. You're the adult, and you need to deal with the problem properly. So many times you see teenagers getting angry and the more angry they get the more angry the parents get the more angry the parents get the more angry the kid gets and the parents know that if they videotaped it and they look back they'll realize that they did not handle this correctly there's no reason for me to get more and more angry just because you're messing up more and more when my kid does something that's chutzpah i don't get angry he did something chutzpah i'm not going to give him my joy i'm not going to ruin my day i tell him you have to now go to your room and if he's more and more chutzpah so I tell them, okay, you're going to have to spend longer in your room, or whatever it is. The truth is they're not really so not very good kids, but th there's no reason to get into a yelling match, because that just brings you down to being on their level. There's a very important lesson that we need to learn about the power of love that parents have, the effect of the parents on the children. And I'm going to tell you a story without saying who the person was, there was a very, very chashava Godel Hadar that had a grandchild that was not religious at all. And I brought the child to his Zaidi to speak to him before Rosh Hashanah. This child, this grandson, was totally not religious for eight years. And on the way there, he said, you know, my, my grandfather and my grandmother are very holy people, but they don't really never hug me they're very simple and very tamimistic of people, but they don't hug and kiss me. And, you know, sometimes you just want to hug from your grandparents. 
Anyway, I dropped him off. I immediately got on the phone. I told the, the grandfather I'm going to come pick up the grandson in about 45 minutes. I got on the phone. I called the kid's mother. I said, what's going on over here? The parents don't hug. The grandparents don't hug. She says, yeah, so you speak to my, speak to my father. I want to ask him to give him a hug. So I decided that's what I'm going to do. I went in to pick up the boy, and um, I motioned for this great tzaddik to come outside. He came outside, and I said, a bang for a hug. He's looking for love. He, he, he says he never gets a hug. I, didn't, I felt very uncomfortable telling him how to treat his grandson, but what am I supposed to do? This is a boy who's not religious for about eight years. His son walked out, said, waved goodbye to his grandmother. The son is a big guy, and this is a frail, older, shorter grandfather. And as he says goodbye to his grandfather, his grandfather, his arm was shaking a little bit, and he, he puts his arm up towards the guy's face, around his head, like, and the guy thinks, like, oh, he wants to tell me something. So he, like, bends down, and the grandfather gives him a kiss on the cheek and a hug. And I made it look like I didn't look, and I just went into the car, and I started driving. We had about a 10-minute drive back home. After approximately four minutes, the guy turns to me, out of the blue, and he said to me, so what do you think? Should I start keeping Shabbos? Now, that was a trick question anyway. Uh, what do I answer? Because if I tell him, yeah, you should, yeah, of course, duh, then it just, obviously, I don't care about him. I only want him to keep Shabbos. And I can't tell him not to keep Shabbos. Because, no, I think it's a terrible idea. Don't keep Shabbos. So I told him, I said, Baruch Hashem, I said the right thing to him. I said, I said, I think if you're asking the question, then you know the answer. If deep down you feel that that's the right thing to do, then I think you should listen to your heart. And I made it all about him. It was his own decision. Because of that kiss and hug that he got from his Zaydi, he kept that Shabbos. He kept Rosh Hashanah first, then he kept Shabbos Shuvah. He kept Yom Kippur, it was the first Yom Kippur he fasted in many years. He kept the next Shabbos, he kept Sukkot. A month, a month of Yantif and Shabbos because of one kiss. So we cannot underestimate the power of love that parents have. And very often, when you have kids who are making you miserable, doing different decisions, we deprive them of that love. It's not our fault. You know, who can love a kid like that? But if without that love, wow, the kids forget about it. I told the parents of a 14-year-old child who's rebelling, I asked them the following question. When you take a child, you buy him anything, a new suit, uh, a new, new book, whatever it is, he smiles from ear to ear, he's filled his, with joy inside of him, take him out to eat, buy him, whatever it is that you're doing for your child, do something that makes him happy. I said, with this kid who, you know, you're from Tamimistika people, and he's wearing jeans, and he's Bimchal Shabbos, and he's doing everything wrong. Lamaisa, what is it that you can do to give him that same feeling that you give your other children that are, you know, the way you'd like them to be. Because every child needs that feeling. What can you do to give him that feeling? Well, certainly, if you can give buy him a Rambam and it's going to have that feeling, then buy him a Rambam. But I need him to have that feeling from you. I need him to feel that love from you, that caring, and that happiness that a person, when he, when he gets something from his parents because he deserves it, or even if he doesn't deserve it, it's a geschmacker thing. You have to, you have to give him that thing. I said, what can you do for him? They said, well, we don't know. I said, is he wearing jeans? He said, well, he had his friend shoplift jeans for him. I said, so you know what? You see that he likes jeans. I'm not saying this is a psak halacha and that I'm just giving you the idea of I said, take him to the jeans store if that's the only thing that you could find. 
If you can find something better, do the better thing. But I don't care what the thing is as much as I care about that you show him that you love him. Show him that you care for him. Take him, say, you know what, me and Tati are taking you out to the jeans store and we're going to buy you the nicest, most comfortable ripped jeans that there is. Whatever you want, we want you to have the nicest because he's going to buy it anyway. I told him, you will never corrupt your son. Don't worry about it. If you're going to be corrupting your son, you have to do such fair things. He's going to do that anyway. Try to be one step ahead of him. If he, he already was wearing a bracelet, I said, buy him a necklace. Buy him a necklace. Anyway, they told me, no, he actually just bought a necklace. You can't corrupt your child. I would love for them to buy him a necklace. Again, I'm not saying, I'm talking about conceptually, understanding the point of, of what parents should be doing in a case like this. Buy him a necklace. I would love him to have a, the nicest necklace of all the kids on the street. And every kid, boy and girl, should say, Hey, Yitzi, where'd you get that necklace from? And let him say, oh, My parents bought it for me. Whoa, man, you got the coolest parents. First of all, it takes all the geschmack and fun out of, out of uh, wearing a necklace. My parents bought it for me. Second of all, he's going to be the coolest kid. you got the coolest parents. I told the mother, he's smoking anyway, two packs a day. Instead of saying, yeah, smoking's going to kill you. Of course, we know that. He knows that. Thank you. It's not working. Go outside next time and say, I want to see why you love cigarettes so much. Come, look, teach me how to smoke. Even if you'll cough, even if you don't inhale, even if you patch it with him, do something with him that he doesn't feel like you're the enemy who doesn't understand him. Whatever that thing is, Show them that you love them. Never stop hugging them. And I, as I told the father once, he's, he doesn't hug his kid. And it came to a point, the kid rebelled very badly, and then the father met him. He didn't hug him. So I told the father, you got to hug your child. Yeah, okay, I'll hug him. I said, no, let me teach you how to hug. I said, you got to hug him, and you got to count. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. He looks at me like I'm crazy. I said, that's what you got to, please do it for me. And then I said, it's not enough. I want to practice. I hugged this guy. And I said, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. A few minutes later, when he met his son, again, the son was somewhere else, and then he came back, and he was saying goodbye. He grabbed his son, and he held, held on to him. He held on to me. He pulled him in. Not a little hug, a hug where you pull him into you. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. He didn't say that. That would have ruined it. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. And the, it changed a lot for the, for the son. The son now today went from being eating on Yom Kippur to being a koyling man. The power of love is unbelievable. And you never know what's going to happen. There was a boy who was living with a shiksa and it was only the power of love of his father and mother that brought him back. There's another amazing vart that I think that it really, it really, really, really pays to say. The Torah says in Devarim, Yaakov was scared to rebuke Ruvain, lest he leave and join up with Esav. Ruvain did something wrong. Yaakov waited all the way into the last minute on his deathbed because he was scared. He said, I'm scared to rebuke him because I know that he has an uncle Esav who would love to get his hands on, on one of my kids. And just imagine Yaakov Avinu. He was so right what he was going to criticize Ruvain about, he was totally right about. And I'm sure he would have done it the right way, with the best parenting skills. He wasn't going to lose his temper, lose his cool. He wasn't going to do anything wrong. Yaakov's face is on the Kisiyakavid, the ultimate man, the ultimate of perfection. He wasn't going to slap his kid and, and, and punch him. and, and, and He wasn't going to do that. And yet he knew, although my Musa would be perfect, 
and the topic is perfect, and he deserves the Musar. Because of this other factor, that there's an Esav, who would love for this kid to just feel distant from me. That's all, because then he'll grab him. Not even if I throw the kid out. Just, he, should, he should still be in my house, in my camp, in my, in my area, but just feeling icky about himself. Feeling distant from me. Esav is going to grab him. So he held his tongue as long as he possibly could. Imagine how careful we need to be. First of all, many times we're criticizing our kids and we're wrong. Second of all, many times we criticize them in the wrong way because we lack patience or we lack, we have a lacking. It's not our fault because they're really testing us, but still, we're not doing things perfectly like Yaakov would have. And now we have an entire street of Esau's which is just waiting for our children. On every street corner, there's an Esav. It's not one Esav, that's an uncle somewhere. It's an entire street, street mentality. There's kids out there, there's Goyim out there, there's magazines, there's, there's everything. The whole street is just waiting for this little Bachar to not feel connected to his family. To not feel that he's your pride and joy. To not feel that he belongs in Klai Yisrael, that he could be successful in Klai Yisrael, because then they're just going to grab him. So we have to know, although we need to be Mechanach, our children, you need to be so careful not to sacrifice, not to sacrifice the love. In Chukas, the Torah says that Hashem punished Moshe. Why? Because you did not believe in me to be Makdish, to be Mekadashem Shemayim in the eyes of Klal Yisrael. Because I told you, Hashem says, I told you to speak to the rack. And you went ahead and you hit the rack. So Rashi is bothered. Listen, of course, speaking to a rack and getting water is, is really cool. But so what? It's not that he wasn't a Kaddashem Shemaim. You hit the rack two times and, and water came out. It's water from a rock. I mean, that's, that's a really neat trick. So, so they saw the Yad Hashem. So what, what, what was so terrible that you say, you want to see you didn't listen to me, you didn't do it the way that I wanted to, but Yan Lehemantimbi Lahaktisheni, you did not. You did not. You were not Mekadoshem Shemaim the way you should have. Rashi, because if you would have spoken to the rock and it came out, it would have been a greater Kiddush Hashem than hitting it. So, on that level of what's missing from the Kiddush Hashem, you did not be Mekadoshem Shemaim on that level. I had in mind a Kiddush Hashem level 78, and you made a Kiddush Hashem level 63. Why? Because talking to a rock and water pouring out of it, it just is. It's a bigger Kiddush Hashem than by hitting it and water coming out of it. But what can we learn out of this? Sure, you can force your kids to daven. Sure, you could hit your kids. You'll probably even have people telling you you're allowed to hit your kids. You're allowed to force your kids. You have to be tough on your kids. But if you're able to talk to them and explain to them why Torah is so beautiful, why they should be doing the right thing, why what they did was wrong, then you'll be Mekadashem Shemayim on a much higher level. And you'll teach them a much deeper thing. Parents who go ahead and beat up their kid out of anger and frustration, the kid says, you know, what I did maybe was wrong, but I don't even want to think about that anymore. And they don't learn the lesson because we overreact and we, 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 we punish too much. When you punish a kid too much, a level six for something he does that's a level four, so then he doesn't think, oh, I really regret doing a level four. He thinks, my father's crazy, my mother's crazy, what do they want from me? They yell at me all the time. It's very important never to overreact, overpunish. And the only way to make sure that we're not going to do that is when we don't lose our cool. You could tell a kid, I will deal with this later. 
and you deal with it later and think about it. You could ask a kid to choose what do you think would be a proper punishment for you. Kids are pretty honest that way sometimes. And you can find the right thing. Another thing, when you, let's say you parent or a teacher, you, you're at the table or you're in a classroom, never give the consequence of the punishment at that time. And if you're in the middle of the class or middle of a suda, Moishi, you will have a punishment which I will give to you after class. It gives you the chance to individualize it, to make a deal, to go, e- to go easy, to give a hug, and to say, listen, I'm sorry I had to put you in your place. You know I love you. Just next time, try not to make that happen. Or to give him a punishment that suits him. But if you say, whoever is going to do this is going to da-da-da-da-da, then if you don't do it, then you lose out. And if you do do it, then sometimes it's not the best way to, to get things. I found that I've been able to bond with my kid and get them to be good by telling them that I'm going to punish them, but I'm going to punish them, and then telling them, "Listen, pal, I know I said that in front of everybody because you know when you do something really not nice, I have to make it look like you know. Come on, I'm a father, but really, you know, I love you very much, and just next time, please don't do that. And wow, thinking out of the box, the kids really, really can grow from that. There's one more thing: when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai with Yeshua. And Klal Yisrael was making the eagle. So the Pasuk says that Yeshua tells Moshe, I hear kol muchama b'machna. I hear the sounds, he hears chanting or just noise, loud noise. I hear it must be a war. Somebody must have attacked our camps. And the machna of Klal Yisrael, I hear a war going on. What did Moshe Rabbeinu answer? Moshe Rabbeinu answers, no, it's not a kol muchama. It's not a kol of winning, a victorious kol of gvura that I hear. And it's not a coil of losing that I hear. Coil anois anachishemea. It's a sound, a voice of distress. And it says Beferish, I think it's a Ramban. <clears throat> it's brought down in the art scroll, in the blue art scroll on the bottom. It's simple and, and, and it's just right there in a few words. That this was an implied rebuke from Moshe to Yeshua. He said that the future leader of Klai Yisrael should be able to tell the difference between a war and between distress. You heard noise and you heard fighting. I hear distress. When you look at a child, if you see that they're rebelling, if you see they're fighting, think about it. With different eyes, you'll see that it's just distress. You see a a kid rebelling, a kid who wants to fight, wants to pick fights, I see a kid in pain. I see a kid who really, really, really is in pain. The Nesiva Shalom brings down a medrash. The medrash says that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, you see with one eye, with one vision, Hashem says, I see, like two Lashonis, two languages of seeing, as Oni Ami, the plight of my nation, the distress of my nation. Why does it say Ra'ay Ra'isi? The Medrash says, Moshe, you only see one Ria, but I see two Riyas. And he explains that, and it's brought down in the Siva Shalom, that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, you only see the kid at risk. You only see the kid dressing with the, with the baseball cap on the side and, and outwardly rebelling. But I see the outside, but I also see the inside. I could see the Pneumius. And I know inside, his stomach is churning. He wants to be so good. He wishes he could be good. Nobody wants to be bad. Every yid wants to be good. You just see the external. 
but I see the internal. Where else do we see this? Nesiv Shalom brings down by Halolu Oivdei Avodah Zarah, Halolu Oivdei Avodah Zarah. What happened over here? The, the Hashem wants the Yidin to cross the, the Yamsuf, and the Malach, who's in charge, says, I can't do it. God, I can't do it. Look, I can't make the Jews cross and then drown the Mitzrayim because these Jews were Oivdei Avodah Zarah, and the Goyim were Oivdei Avodah Zarah. So how can I let them pass through and not, and not the Goyim? I can't do that. It's not in my jurisdiction. Hashem created a world, and even in the Malachim, there's Teva, there's a certain nature, there's boundaries, I'm bound by it. So Hashem says, oh, you know what? I'm going to go do it myself. But what was the answer? You know what the answer was? The answer was, you Malach, you don't know what's going on. You see Klai Yisrael dining Avodah and you see Egyptians dining Avodah so you just see Avodah Zarah, Avodah a rebel, a rebel, a, a, a motorcycle, a motorcycle, a smoker, a smoker, a drug dealer, a drug dealer, and, and so it's all the same to you. You're right. How do you let this drug dealer go free and the other drug dealer, you're going to make him sit in jail for 20 years? Hashem says, but I see inside. I know the Pneumius. I know that even though externally they're dining Avodah Zarah, and, and, and actually during Kriyas Yamsav we were still holding Pesel Michal, we were still holding Avodah Zarah in our hands. But I know inside, I know what a Yid is. I know that inside they're going to throw it down one day. I know inside that they're going to change and 49 days later they're going to be Makabal Tire on the highest level. Because I know the Kachas that this kid has inside. Yes, he's acting horrible. Yes, he's rebelling. Yes, he's doing everything mamish, mamish terrible. And it's painful to watch. And there's probably nothing you could say to turn him around. But you need to know the difference between him on the outside and on the inside. Zakhtar Nesiv Shalom. Mi mamakim karasich Hashem. Shir hamalos. Mi mamakim karasich Hashem. Pashib shad is mi mamakim from the depths, from low, low, low down. I call out to Hashem. Zakhtar Nesiv Shalom. Mi mamakim karasich Hashem is coming to say that even though externally. I am not Karasi Hashem. I am not calling out Hashem. I'm not davening. I'm not learning. I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. But you should know he's a Yid. In the depths. In the depths of what? In the depths of his heart. In the depths of his heart. Karasi Hashem. Oizi calling out Hashem. Kid wants acceptance. The kid wants love. The kid wants to fit in. Why can't he fit in? What is it? Was he just born differently? Then that's not his fault. Did he make mistakes? There's no Bechira on the past. Right now, he's stuck with those mistakes. He's not making any, any mistake right now. He's just stuck in that situation. Or did something happen to a perfectly normal kid that if it would have happened to you or any of the other kids, you would end up the same way. And that trauma is what's killing him. And he's, he's drained inside. And he's hurting. And he's a chayli nefesh. We have to understand that, that the, when you understand all of this, then when you look at the kid, you just want to cry and hold him. You don't look at him like a, a smelly rebel who's, who's, who's hurting you. You don't pick fights with him. You, you, you create a different type of vibe, a different type of atmosphere in your relationship with him. When you yell at a kid for not davening, or for whatever it is, it guarantees one thing, that they'll never actually think about what they did wrong and how to improve. Done correctly, when you're mechanach, or you, you, you say something to a child about something, if you do it correctly, the child should think to himself, about what he did, and consider how he feels about his actions, and feel badly about it, and then hopefully even fix it. But if the result of your interaction with the child is that the child does not become better, then you failed at your interaction with the child. That is not chinuch. I tried. I tried a thousand times. Well, you tried the wrong thing a thousand times. And if it doesn't work, why do you try it after three times? Why do you keep on trying the wrong thing? The terror is you're doing what comes easy for you. You're doing whatever's off the cuff, you're lazy, you don't want to change yourself, you have shortcomings. 
Because if you really cared about the child, then you'd be happy to do whatever it would take. And when we're talking about changing a child, you should know that if you talk and yell to, uh, at your kid, or you punish your kid, and he does not change after that, you failed. The entire point of your intervention is to be a the child, to get through to him, to teach him how to improve. If a kid doesn't put on tefillin, for example, sit down and learn with him Hilchas tefillin and to how to appreciate it. Even if he doesn't work, eventually it will sink in, much more than yelling at him, to do something that he doesn't understand. And we need to prove this to the kid, because if a kid does something bad, and you isolate him, and you tell him, listen, I want you to think about what you did wrong, and I'm going to come to you soon, and they think about what, what it is that they're doing wrong, and you don't punish them, and then you go and try to understand what he was thinking and why he acted that way, if you really have this ahava that Hashem had for us, so then you can be mechanic them the right way. Rib Shimon Bayechai had a son, Rib Lazar, and, I'm sorry, Rib Eliezer, the son of Rib Yaisi, was off the derech. The Gemara said he would pay four times the amount for a zayna. In the end, Rebbe brought him back. You see that somebody could be so far off and yet through love they could be brought back. The best way to get results from somebody is when they feel the best about themselves. So when you want to go ahead and break a kid, then you've got to realize you're not going to have great results from him. The best worker is a kid who really, really, really is happy. He's going to work hard. So too, when you break the kid, then you realize that he doesn't feel good about himself. He's not going to do well. Now, as long as you have rules, the team clearly knows what to do. It's very simple. Break the rules. But when you take away the rules, then they have no idea what to do. Because it was so easy before you had rules, all I had to do was defy you. Once you take away the rules, they don't know what to do. They only know how to react. They don't know how to act. So when you, when you go ahead with a different type of chinuch to the child, and you say, listen, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to tell you you have to, you have to, you have to, because then you just don't do it. You just do the opposite. I want you to choose for yourself. Get to the bottom of things. What do you want to do? And you'll find that the child will make decisions and will ask and then will want to learn about things. Now, a lot of these kids, a good example of the frustration that we have in being mechanic them is... That um, imagine that my car breaks down, and uh, it's cold outside. It's raining, and you pull over, and then you take out cables, and I have cables, and you, you put you put the the red and the red, the black and the black, and and you're making you're you're, rush, you're running your car, you're putting the gas down, I'm putting the gas, and it's dead, dead, dead. Fifteen, twenty minutes later, you're freezing. It's raining. You really tried to help me. It's very frustrating. Very fr- it's frustrating for you. It's frustrating for me. It's not working. You know what it is? If my car battery is wired backwards, it's never going to work. A lot of these kids are wired backwards. That parents who are mechanach, eight children one way, understood that they love them, even if they got punished, understood that they have to become better, understood the reason to be better, to be Yiddish. But this one child is wired backwards. And when you hit him, you alienated him. And therefore he became less good. And when you did punished him or whatever it was, everything works backwards with this kid. And you have to realize that. If a kid is super sensitive, you've got to realize you can't do the same thing you did with another kid. I remember somebody being mechanach, their kid, they said something, the kid ran away crying. And they told me, wow, this kid is so sensitive. I said, yeah, but the kid is 15 years old. How long is he sensitive for? They said, oh, his whole life. I said, yeah, so don't you know that? So you can't say the same thing that you would say to your other eight kids. Because this kid is more sensitive. He feels like you just punched him in the face. So we have to be the adults. 
And we have to say, you know what? We understand that this kid needs a different type of chinuch. I'm going to sign up for it. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to buy tapes. I'm going to, I'm going to think into it. And, and therefore, I'm going to be mechanic this child. I had, a, had a, somebody who, who had a taina on a Rebbe um, that, uh, you know, the Rebbe he couldn't deal with the kid. And I spoke to the Rebbe and the Rebbe said, listen, this kid, okay, you know, he, he does this wrong, he does this wrong. I failed him. I, I threw him out. I threatened him, this and this and this and this. And he gave me a whole bunch of reasons, you know, why is the kid's fault. So I said, so are you saying that you cannot be mechanic this child? Are you saying that you don't know how to be mechanic this child? Is that what you're saying? It's your shortcoming. Because there are other Rebbeim that have more patience, that learned more techniques, that can go ahead and, and be mechanic this child. So if you can't be mechanic this child, okay, just say that. You can't, you're very limited. You can only be mechanic, you know, the top 5, or the top 20%, or the top 80%, or even the top 90 But this is where you draw the line. I cannot be mechanic the child. Don't say how bad the child is. Because somebody else knows how to other to work the kid to be geschmack. Don't say you don't have to be mechanic the child. And this thing works in many, many different ways. Parents, they try to be mechanic the child the way that's not working, and they force it more and more and more and more. The idea is be mechanic this child. Seek something that works. And if you don't have anything that works, don't do anything because you're just gonna be ruining him. You're gonna be completely, completely, completely ruining him. Our job is to get the kids to their own destination. And if, as long as they're following, you know, our destination, it's wonderful. But if it's not working, so then we have to get them to their destination. We jump on their bandwagon, and then we can steer it a little bit this way, a little bit that way. So we always should try to let the kids make the rules, and to, to, to explain to the kids that we believe in them. And hopefully, with this new kind of an attitude, we, we will be able to get on our kids' side, there are parents doing crazy things these days in order to, to get close to their kids. Because there's nothing that, that, that's as powerful as you're being close to him and him thinking that he has you there. And there's nothing as detrimental and painful as him thinking that you don't love him and that you don't want him. And that's, that's the chizik that we need at this time. Now hopefully we'll remember all of these things and hopefully we'll be able to see nachas from our children as as previous generations saw for most of us throughout the generations where we continued in, in the paths that were in front of us. We have to remember that the kids, if the kid misbehaves, it just means that he's having difficulty. He just can't do as good as he wants to do. And instead of punishing him and coming down hard on him, which just shows him that he's a loser and that he can't be good, and it just exacerbates his problem and destroys his self-confidence, Instead, we need to be compassionate. There must be a reason. Maybe he didn't sleep last night. Maybe there was a fight in his house. Maybe he's not feeling well. Believe that there's a reason why this kid is not doing good. And then you approach him completely differently. You approach him with understanding, I want to understand you. Please tell me, what is it? And at the very least, he'll say, wow, my Rebbe really tried to help me. My father really tried to help me. And hopefully, that's going to be something that really works. Take care.